we move quickly to a message from the Word of God. It's always a joy to, uh, to hear God's Word proclaimed, to hear it read, and we do have a lot of reading to do. And I pray that, that as we come back, uh, as we're back in the building for the first time in a long time, that, we, we, that our, I, I hope our prayers, our, the message that we have, the, the scriptures we read, the prayers that are spoken, uh, the opportunity to give and the opportunity to partake in the Lord's Supper as we participate there together, I just, I just pray all of it uh, builds us up and gives us strength and encouragement, encouragement that we have needed. Uh, having been separated for a year, coming back together, I think it's an encouraging thing and a wonderful thing, but it's also a humbling thing. Just to be, just to consider that it's been a year since we've been together, um, as we long to be, as we know that we should be, and that's not to uh, uh, say that the experiences that we've had online together were greatly lacking, but they're different, and we should be here together. This is how the Lord longs for it to be, and we're going to address that a little bit today. But the fact is, is that because of the way things have been, we're humbled before God. As we come back here today, it should be a humbling experience as we come into his presence. And we pray that as we humble ourselves before him, that he will lift us up. Just as James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10 discusses. So just remember that. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And as he lifts us up today because we've humbled ourselves before him, may we feel that joy and that the, 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 the joy within us, the rejoicing that we should have because he lifts us up. And I pray that we all experience that today. The question then comes, as I think about the fact that we've been apart from each other for a year, part physically, we've been together spiritually and even socially and worshipfully online, but boy, isn't it a joy to, to be able to, oh, for me it is. I, I don't know what it is for you, but just to, to experience this moment, and now I'm already starting to think, Eric, uh, you're already going long. <laughs> Control yourselves, Eric. But to just be able to stand as I proclaim the word of God, as I read the scriptures, to be able to not be sitting down with my chair lower so I get that computer right in front of me that's stacked on top of some books with my crazy little setup and having to get the green screen behind me and, and all, of, all of this stuff that, that, you know, and then I'm looking at a computer and trying to look at my notes while I try and look at pictures of people so I can kind of connect. And, and I end up, what, what usually happens because I'm the one talking, I usually end up looking at myself when I'm preaching, which is a goofy thing. So... Here we are, praise God that we're back. Thank you for being here. And thanks for everybody else who is here online. <laughs> but the question comes, why are we here? The most basic question of why on earth do we come together? If we can join together on a, on a computer through wires and, and video screens and all that. But why are we here? Why is this important? Why are you here? And maybe, as I asked that, everybody would probably have a different reason. Maybe you'd think back to times past 
when you were here long ago and you think about those people who are dear friends and family from long ago and now you're carrying forth that same experience for others and this is where you've always been. This is where you always come to be with family. Maybe this is the first place that, that you learned the truth and you came to Christ Jesus. Maybe you come here because you just love the, the social aspect and you, you love being together and you love the activities. You know, maybe, maybe you come together just because the Lord commands it. And you look at the scripture and, and God established a church and he, he gave the church a reason to come together. And we're going to recognize that reason here in a little bit. Whatever the reason is, you know, I want you to think back and, and, and ask yourself a little bit more Basically, well, keep asking those whys. Why, why? Well, why is that important? Why? Why are we here? The very basic part, the most basic aspect of why we come together. What is it really? Aside from all the opinions, all the answers that we might give, let's get to the Word of God and see what it is that really is the root cause, the root desire for us coming together and in our reading this I don't remember if it was this past week this week's a blur <laughs> uh, it, Psalm 63 was one of the readings that we had recently Psalm 63 open up your Bibles there we're going to be there for a few minutes before we get to some New Testament passages in Psalm 63, as you see in the heading, this is attributed to David. A psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. When he was in the desert. When he was in a place where he had to utterly rely upon God. He could not probably survive easily on his own. Boy, when you think about being in a wilderness... A lot of us more so have experienced the idea of a wilderness, a difficult season through this past year, and it's fitting in that regard. But just consider this psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns for you, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. What a way to start a psalm. What a way to start a prayer. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 63.1 We earnestly seek our God. This should be the heart and the very root of what brings us together is because we're seeking God. 
We thirst for Him. Our soul, we're out there in the wilderness all week long or all year long, whatever you want to be thinking. But we've been in the wilderness. We're in the desert. This world is not our home. The world doesn't satisfy us. The only thing that truly gives us meaning and hope that fills our soul, that gives us thirst, that keeps us surviving is coming to God. Having his presence in our lives. None of the other junk matters. None of the other activities throughout the week. No matter how fun or good they might be. They don't fill us like Jesus does. So we seek our God. That's why we come together. And that, that the, the full thought isn't here yet of why we come together and that we can't you we can seek God well even even we can seek him outside of a gathering of our people right even verse six through eight indicates that when I remember you on my bed I meditate on you in the night watches for you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy my soul clings to you your right hand upholds me so we can seek God outside of our gathering That's true. But as we read on here, I hope you will see there is something special about our gathering. There is something very special and necessary about us being together. Verse number 2 of Psalm 63. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Uh, and the, the way I learned that was, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. And this is the Psalm of David, and I, I, it confuses me a little bit by exactly what his experience was at the sanctuary. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't authorized to go into the sanctuary, but somehow he has experienced God there. He has seen God there. I have seen you in the sanctuary. And at the time of this writing, I would assume it's still the, the sanctuary is still the tent, the tabernacle, the holy place of God before the temple has been built. Solomon, his son, is the one who built it. This is a reflection of him going into a tent where the, or near that tent where the Ark of the Covenant was at and where God, at the Ark of the Covenant, his glory dwelt between the wings of that cherubim, the two cherubim that were on top of there. God's glory rested there. His presence was there. And David says, I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. I have witnessed you. I have seen you. I know you. And now he's separated out in the wilderness. He remembers what he has seen. He remembers the powerful glory of God that he has witnessed. And he longs for that again. Have you longed for God when you've been separated? Like from the gathering of the church? In the notes it says God is seen in the sanctuary. That's what this verse is saying, that's what David said, I've seen you in the sanctuary. Well, we know, we know that the church, us, 
We are now that sanctuary. We are the temple of God. We are the ones where God dwells in us. If anybody wants to witness to see God, they need to come to be with the church. It has nothing to do with this place. We could be gathered out on the steps, out in the parking lot, down by the river. We could be in a boat. It doesn't matter. If we have gathered together as God's people to worship our God, then God is there and he is with us. We are his temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 We're going to look at these verses that just simply establish that we are the temple of God. We are the sanctuary of God. We are where his presence is found. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy and that is is what you are. Now there is this sense where individual Christians are the temple of God, where God's presence dwells in us. Now, and actually, the very in, in chapter, uh, I believe it's chapter six or chapter, yeah, chapter six, verse nineteen, it makes it clear that individuals are the temple of God. Still in First Corinthians, chapter six, verse nineteen. You are the temple of God. If, if you have given your life to Christ, you've been baptized into him, then you have received that gift of that Holy Spirit. He lives in you. But the context for chapter 3 is talking about the church and the church being attacked, the church being destroyed by others who are trying to, uh, to do such. They're destroying God's church. And I think chapter 3, verse 16, when it talks about you are the temple of God, it's talking to the church. But if that's not convincing to you, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 16. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. We are the temple of the living God. So there's one temple. We are that temple. It doesn't say we are all temples of the living God, which I would say is true. We are all temples of the living God, but together we are the temple of the living God. So stay stay with me here. One more verse. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll read verses 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints that are of God's household. God's household is the church. This is us. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building is fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. 
in whom you were also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. We come together, individuals, pieces of the church, and we are being built up into, as the temple of God. So we are the temple of God. The church is God's temple. This is where his presence is seen. So when people, you know, if you go back to Psalm 63, then you put this kind of into that context, so that longing to be with God. That law of remembering, you know, as David is out in the wilderness and he's separated from the sanctuary. Now he says, he says, I long for you. I want to see you. I wish I could go to that place. I want to go to the sanctuary. And here we come together as the sanctuary and we see God in our presence. We experience God in our midst. Psalm 63, verses 3 through 5. Because of your loving kind, excuse me, because your loving kindness is better than life. (laughs) Just listen to that. Your love is better than life. Your faithful love is better than life. Okay, since we know that to be true, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. David praises God because of that wonderful, wonderful love that he has known. Because of God's faithfulness to him. Because he has been able to see God and know God. And experience God. Verse number two. So we come together because we earnestly seek God. And we know that we can actually. No longer do we have to be separated from God. But we can come together with the church that is the temple of God. And see God and experience God. To know him. And therefore we praise him. Together we praise him. David out there in the wilderness. He always had folks with him. So I'm sure he praised uh, with folks. But here he seems like he's alone. You know he's just out there in the wilderness by himself. And lifting up praise to God. In spite of the situation. But we come together. And we lift up our praise to him. We sing together with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and we will do that very soon. But notice the reason why David claims to praise is that it's the root of his praise to God, and it's because your loving kindness is better than life. So let me just say that we got David beat. What loving kindness had David been shown? He'd probably have all kinds of blessings that he'd received, and he could recount all kinds of ways that God had helped him and protected him and saved him. But David, except for maybe his prophetic mind, seeing things in the future and speaking the words of God through the Spirit, like Psalm 22, he really hadn't experienced outside of the Spirit showing him some things. He had not known 
the love of God in such a way that God would actually die for him. We have something better. There was a reason that David praised, but we have something better. We have it better than David. We look at these folks in the Old Testament. Oh man, they had such faith. I wish I could be like them. I wish I could go to the temple and actually see God's glory. Well, we've got something better. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It tells us something that we know, something that we can experience, and the, tes- the, the testimony of Scripture proclaims to us, and it's something that David did not get to experience. Romans 5, 8, just this one verse. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's a big difference between the the old covenant and the new covenant. The new covenant, as we're going to be, be reminded as we gather around this table, that new covenant is established in the blood of Christ. Verse number nine there, if you want to keep reading. The very blood of the Son of God was given for us. Jesus Christ was the Messiah who was proclaimed as John saw him, John the baptizer. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came to die for us. There is no greater demonstration of love that has ever been given among men in the history of the world, nor will there ever be, than the fact that Jesus came here to die for us. God in the flesh, Emmanuel, he came to be with us and then to serve as a sacrifice because of our sins. We have seen the love of God. We have known the love of God greater than anything that David experienced. Does that make sense to you? And so if David in Psalm 63 say, Oh, I long for you. I'm earnestly, I seek you. I remember you in the tabernacle and beheld your power and glory. We have something greater. We should long all the more. And so why are you here? Why are you here? We earnestly seek God. We know that God is present among his people when we gather. We are his temple. And that together we can lift up our voices in praise, in prayer, and in songs. And with this message, we're united. And Luke twenty-two nineteen. Luke twenty-two nineteen. Jesus at the Last Supper with his disciples. Verse number 19 of Luke 22. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 2,000 years ago, Jesus established... The giving, the, the taking of bread and the taking of the cup so that we might remember his body and blood that was given for us. And on the front of that table, it says, do this in remembrance of me. And we're going to do that in a moment. Do this in remembrance of me.
This is the peace that every, everything else is built upon is that Jesus died for us. God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. No greater demonstration of love. And every Sunday when we come together, we do our giving, we do our singing, we do our praying, we give a message from God's word, but we, we partake of that Lord's Supper to remember Jesus. And he's the only one who's ever died for you, I'd venture to guess. The only one. Very in a personal way. So that's why we come together. We come together to remember him. We come together to praise him. We come together to be humbled before a God who is willing to give his life for us. Oh, may we praise our Lord and God today because the great sacrifice that he gave. And with any proclamation of the word of God, there's another thing that we do. Whenever we're together and we pray that people have witnessed the love of God and the experience, the the presence of Christ in, in us. And so Acts chapter, 20, chapter 2, verses 36 to 39 is the one other thing that I would say is the reason we come together. And in Acts chapter 2, verse, starting verse 36, it says, Therefore, this is the end of Peter's sermon after Jesus has gone into heaven after his death and resurrection, told his disciples to go tell everybody. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, that, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And the Lord God calls to you today and says, If you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you haven't proclaimed him as Lord, you haven't confessed your sins, repenting of that old life and just coming to Jesus and saying, give me a new life, a life that is truly life. And then be baptized in him so that you can die in a a watery grave and be raised up because God does this wonderful work that you're raised up to a new life. A life without sin, forgiving of sins. And if anybody is here who needs that call today and anybody is online or even listening later and you know you need to answer that call and you need to give your life to Jesus, then we call you to him. And I pray that as, the, as we partake of the Lord's Supper that, that you're reminded that that is for believers in Jesus to remember him, to honor him all the days of our life. And I pray that you will seek him and give your life to him. 
And if you need to answer that call, we encourage you to do it this day. Contact me. Contact someone else. Call us. Get a hold of us. Knock on our door. But do what you need to do today. Give Christ your life. And for us as the church, we remember how important it is for us to come together. And we remember why it is that we come together. It's because we know the God who died for us. We're going to remember him in a second. And we earnestly seek him. And we long to be with him. And we long for his presence. Let us always joyfully gather every Sunday to remember our Lord. However you need to respond, I encourage you to do so.